0: That is Hammered out to deep left field. Forget about it. Big fly for Mike Trout and the Angels have tied this one up and one. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers six
1: baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Hunter Jr.
2: You're listening to the Old Angels podcast. What is going on? This is Dan Garcia from the All Angels podcast, and uh, this is the Christmas special. Hopefully, you guys listen to this either um, on the way somewhere for Christmas or maybe on the way back somewhere for Christmas, but it's, it's a really cool episode. Um, I am going to talk about a little bit about what has happened the last couple days since last we talked, winter meetings, signings, and all that stuff, but at the end of this podcast, I was able to sit down and talk with Mark Gubaza. and if you guys follow him at all on Twitter, you understand how much this man loves his Christmas. Not just Christmas, but, but holidays in general, but especially Christmas. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of talked about this interview in past podcasts, but um, it was really, really fun, something cool to do. Uh, I love Christmas. I love the whole family atmosphere and everything that kind of comes with it. So uh, I thought it would be a good idea to put kind of a Christmas episode. But like I said, um, I'll get into what has happened angel-wise. Now and then the Mark Goob is up hard at the end. So obviously the big news since the winter meetings was that Anthony Rendon signed by the Angels. Um, personally, I thought it was a, a really good signing considering what happened with Garrett Cole and how much he signed for and him going to the Yankees and the fact that the Angels were able to pivot so quickly. I'm talking like 24 hours from... Going into Cole, realizing they weren't going to get Cole. Um, I didn't want to spend that money to get Cole to turn around and give Anthony Rendon a all-star, um, third place this last year in the MVP, a really, really good third baseman, not only for his bat, not, but also for his glove. And I, I think it's pretty easy to say this might be the best player um, Mike Trout has ever played with since being on the Angels, since being called up, since, you know, having his incredible stretch Anthony Rendon is definitely the best player he's played with uh, all around I'm talking defense uh, offense everything so you know he got introduced Saturday the 14th of December I believe uh, in Anaheim Uh, very interesting to see the kind of reports coming out that he wanted something close uh, close close-knit you know not the big fanfare so limited amount of reporters uh, no public access um, but they did put it on fox sports west which was cool and then you were also obviously able to see it on uh like facebook or twitter or anything like that but uh to begin the press conference this is what he had to say
1: well they didn't give me a warning that i was supposed to come up here and speak so i'm gonna blame scott on that one uh but man this is just really exciting um scott and i were talking about it earlier and when the whole process was going down and um I mean, the fact that Artie and Carol were adamant about uh, reaching out to Scott and saying that he, they really wanted me to be a part of the Angel organization, uh, that means so much to me and my family to, to have that respect, to, to feel wanted, uh, to want someone to come be a part of your family. And uh, that was one important thing that we always talked about when trying to look for an organization where we wanted to head to or stay at was a family atmosphere. It's somewhere that we can implant our roots in, uh, build a foundation, and just uh, grow our family together.
2: That press conference to me came across as him being very, very family oriented, very uh, not look at me very much in kind of like that Mike Trout uh, mold where he's not looking for the attention. He's not looking to um, be super flashy and, and be in a bunch of commercials and all that stuff, but just looking for like a solid place to kind of like he kind of like he said uh, put foundation down for his family and and for people that saw uh, the press conference already has an adorable little girl and, and one on the way so definitely you can tell the family thing was very uh, important to him and something that caught my eye and and it caught a lot of people's ears was I believe a reporter I can't remember who exactly asked the question but kind of talked a little bit about why um what was the angel why was it the angels over the Dodgers and, and this is what he said.
1: Uh, not necessarily we didn't want to play with them. Um, it was always a, a team that we thought and we consider just because, you know, Dodgers are always in the postseason. They have a terrific team. Uh, you know, they're built to win. They have a lot of great guys coming up in the organization. Uh, but in terms of just the way that we've heard ab- about how the organization is, whether, you know, the Hollywood lifestyle or whatnot, um, it just didn't seem like it would be a fit for us as a family. Um, so nothing against them as the, as an organization. We still loved meeting with them. We loved uh, just having those conversations. But in the end, it was what's best what we thought was going to be for our family.
2: So that was really interesting to see and hear. I kind of take it as, you know, let's be honest. You, you watch a Dodger game on TV. There's a bunch of movie stars, music stars, just you know, kind of pop culture people there, you know, he probably doesn't want to go and have to worry about shaking hands and taking photos with all these, like, high-end celebrities. He just kind of comes across as a guy who just wants to come out there, just play, um, get the job done, and go home. And doesn't want to have to do a whole bunch of the other stuff. Kind of like Mike Trout, like I said, um, not looking for the big commercial, not looking for the big uh, partnership and, and like, you know, a certain kind of industry or anything like that. So um, very cool to hear Very cool to see. So again, that's the Angels' big acquisition so far uh, this offseason. Again, plenty of time to move, plenty of time to uh, sign guys. Uh, As we record this on the twentieth, or sorry, the nineteenth of December, jumped it again. You probably listened to it on the twentieth. The Angels have reportedly reached a deal with Julio Tehran, and Jeff Passan is the first to report it. One year deal, nine million dollars. Um, this goes with the um, uh, Dylan Bundy trade that happened um, earlier in the offseason. Again, two guys that have a history of putting innings together and, and able to go 160 for the year, 165 for the year, 170 for the year, something that the Angels have desperately lacked the last couple of years. That pitcher that, you know, not maybe not necessarily is a... Um, shut down doesn't allow any runs kind of guy but just someone that can be respectable enough to where he can get you into the 6th inning get you into the 7th inning where again Angels had such a big problem with that going last year and I think again the uh, pitcher with the most innings last year the only pitcher with over 100 innings was was Trevor Cahill and he's no longer on the team so um, is it a sexy pickup? No. Is it a pickup that's going to make this team a contender? No but you you put that together with the Bundy trade. You put these two guys together at the back end of a rotation, able to eat up innings. i I think that's what the Angels are going for. There's still plenty of talk out there. There's still plenty of um, possibilities of getting a Dallas Keuchel, uh, a Ryu. Even those can still come down the line. I think now it's kind of going to be one of those, and then possibly a trade um, market. Maybe getting a little bit closer to spring training, but. You know what? I've been wrong about so much stuff this off season. I thought uh, the certain blitz of big name free agents was going to last or be into the new year, and that popped off one, two, three, back to back to back. So, if something happens between now and New Year's, do I expect it? No. Would I be surprised? No, because it just seems like a totally different market than what it was um, last year or even the year before. But as of right now, I think the Angels are in a good spot. Again, you sign Anthony Rendon. He's going to upgrade your offense. He's going to upgrade your defense. Um, Simmons and himself uh, and and Rendon on that uh, that left side of the infield is going to be absolutely crazy because you look at it and, and it doesn't seem like any balls or any any kind of stuff like that is going to get through. And, and you put Fletcher now at second, and then maybe you see La Stella a little bit at first. Um, you know, maybe he starts taking ground balls there. Maybe you start seeing that spring training. Maybe that's something where. Um, Going into spring training, maybe you'll start seeing reports from guys saying, "Hey, you know, today at practice, and uh, Tommy Listella is taking first base um, reps or, or, or at bats or, and fielding practice and all that stuff." So again, um, if that happens, and him and Albert are kind of that one-two punch, you want to say at first base, the times Ohtani's pitching or not pitching and stuff like that, I think that'd be work really well. And then you know, Dave Lestella can still or uh, uh, Tommy Lestella can still fill in at second base if somebody needs a day off or fill in at, at third base if someone needs a day off. So, um, very, very, um, positive signing, getting Anthony Rendon pitching still needs to work, but you can tell that they're working and, and they can't just sit by and hope that Dallas or Ryu comes in to the angels. They have to also add back end pieces to really have the depth for an, a, a six man rotation. Cause now you are trying to fill six spots instead of five. So, um, uh, I can sit here and give you a bunch of the Julio Tehran's numbers from last year, but I kind of find that stuff boring. If you really are a, a numbers person and if you really enjoy those kind of numbers, you're, there's a good chance once you saw the signing, you probably went to, you know, Fangraph or Baseball Reference or whatever you personally like to use and looked up the numbers yourself. So I'm not going to sit here and bore you with numbers or anything like that. But, you know, one-year deal. So, again, low risk, low risk kind of the same deal where if you don't like what's happening and, and he doesn't perform the way you want him to, you can get him done at the end of the year and, and no harm, no foul. So again, um, Hulu Tehran, one year, $9 million, a really good signing I feel for the Angels. And, and I, I think this 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 comes to a bigger picture as far as just getting better, not necessarily making the team into a World Series contender, which I think a lot of fans out there are looking for that, are looking for like a big signing that's automatically going to turn this team into a division winner or a World Series contender. And I don't think that's possible this year. I think if the Angels all of a sudden turn around and they have a really good uh, season, a quick turnaround, like, like uh, Minnesota Twins did a few years ago, I think you're perfectly happy with it. If they win 90 games this year, coming up and they don't make the playoffs because, let's say, the two wild card teams are like 92 and 93 wins. I mean, and that's, you know, if you look at the last years, that is total, totally cap- possible that, that Angels could win 90 games this year and miss the playoffs. That is perfectly capable, and, and, I, and I don't think that's a bad season. It almost seems like uh, fans out there are expecting three or four or five moves to make this team a World Series contender, and I don't think that's going to happen this year. That's something where... Again, you have Anthony Rendon now for seven years. You have Trout now. I think he has, like, 11 years left on his contract. If you build up and you make a solid run, let's say in 2021, 2022, when you have Joe Adele and he's kind of out of his rookie stage and he's more comfortable, he's more familiar with the MLB game, and he's growing up and he's coming to his own, you know. At that time, what's Trout going to be? 31, 32. Rendon, same thing. Is he going to be 31, 32? Um... Uh, by then, you probably have Marsh in the outfield with him. Him also coming to his own. By then, Albert Upton off the books. Now you can probably get another top end free agent, and and hopefully with the guys that they have now in in the farm system, pitching wise, like a Sandoval, like a Canning, um, you know, hopefully a, a guy like Chris Rodriguez, where there's a really lot of good talk, but he just has not been able to stay healthy. Hopefully that's behind him now, and then in two three years he's able to debut in the majors. It's a lot of what-ifs, but it's also, I think, the more realistic route of the Angels than signing three or four dudes this offseason, making a trade, and then all of a sudden, boom, making a World Series. Like, I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's realistic. And I think fans have a cr- absolute crazy, crazy expectations if that's what you think. If you think they're going to sign Dallas and trade for um, Boyd or, 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 or even if they would have got... Uh, uh, Kluber. like I, I still don't think this team still has a, enough holes where it's not going to happen. But again, you put Joe Adele in this year, you let him mature for a couple years. You put Marsh in there, maybe next year, let him mature for a couple years. Now you have an outfield of a really, really good outfield and a very good uh, infield, and, and you address the pitching as you see needed. If if Canny takes a big step, then that that pitching isn't going to be as big of a deal. If Suarez, Sandoval, if all these young guys that are all under 30, I think a lot of them are under like 27, 28. If they all take steps, then this pitching staff could grow as one and, and be a really good unit moving forward. But again, to kind of sell out for this year, I, it doesn't make sense. You 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 upgrade where you can, but you can't mortgage the future because of it. And, and that's why I think being a GM like Billy Epler, like a lot of these guys in the major leagues, is such a such a tough job because not only are you trying to build a team for the now because your job depends on it, but you can't mortgage the future for it though either because then you put yourself in a situation where, okay, yeah, you might've won something, even if it's just a playoff, you know, two or three playoff appearances and maybe a division, no world series, but now you went all in and now you have nothing to show for it. Um, prospect-wise, you know, young guy-wise, and everything kind of dries up, and now look at you. Now you have to rebuild a farm system from scratch. So you know, I think Billy's doing a good job of trying to build a winner now but not mortgaging the future to do it because if you mortgage the future now, great. You might have a good one- or two-year run, and maybe for Angel fans that's all they want. It's just a one-, two-year run, and then forget what happens five years down the road. But it's just going to be really hard to build a team that quickly with what the Angels have in the farm system and what they are limited by Big contracts already on the uh, on the books, and then again, once Pujols comes off, once Upton comes off, you slide in Marsh, you slide in Adele. Those are going to be very affordable contracts because they're all going to be, um, you know, depending on what your timetable is, either pre-arbitration or arbitration years. And, and and from everything you see, you know, Joe Adele definitely has all-star capabilities. Brandon Marsh definitely has all-star capabilities, and and Trout's is going to keep on being Trout, especially now that he has more and more. Uh, protection around him uh you know now he's probably batting more with guys on base and that's a huge thing that's always why his rbi numbers were way down there wasn't just enough guys on base for when he hits a double that's great but if there's no one on base it doesn't mean anything but now you know um depending on how you want to put rendon trout two three three four or anything like that but now it adds way more depth in that rotation so definitely i think the Angels are on the right path, are definitely moving forward. Um, again, it's not even 2020. By the time this comes out, this podcast comes out, maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, it could Dallas Keiko, Henjin Ryu could be an Angel. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, my sources tell me he's going to sign by the end of the week, because it seems like if you go on social media, uh, everybody and their mom, I mean literally everyone and their mom, I heard someone say, oh... His mom works at the stadium and he's seen this happen, so this is what's going to happen. It's like, you know, unless one of the guys that do this for a living, uh, uh, a Jeff Fletcher, a Rhett Bollinger, uh, Fabian, uh, you know, Maria Torres, if those guys are putting it out there, there's a really good chance it's going to happen. Even the national guys, Jeff Passon's um, really good source for this stuff. But, you know, if if Joe Schmo um, with Again, no offense, but with like 200 followers saying something's going to happen, I mean, that's cool. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it doesn't really... It's not going to blip on my radar, but you know what? A lot of people have mixed reactions about how this offseason is going. It's seen a lot of good. It's seen a lot, a lot of bad, but I think the biggest part is to realize what your expectations are and, and, and do you really think it's realistic that the Angels can make the playoffs with what they have? No, but... Are they better than what they were last year? Yeah, and I think that's a positive way of looking at it. And, and people will bash you for being too positive. People will say your head's in the clouds and this and that. And, and that's fine. Let them do that. And, and that's mostly on Twitter because most of these Twitter guys won't come on and, and debate you. They'll just hide behind a keyboard, which is fine. That's part of Twitter. That's what kind of makes it going. But, um, you know, I, if you guys ever want to come on and, and talk, you know, you can DM me directly. I mean, my my Twitter, my Instagram is not hard to find. It's connected to a lot of the Halo Haven sites. So maybe we will can have a spirit debate. But as of right now, as of December 19th, the weekend before Christmas, uh, I really am liking what the Angels are setting the foundation for moving forward, not only for this year, but uh, 2021, 2022, 2023. So now that that rant is over and I've got that off my chest. We are going to do the little commercial break. We are going to play the Mark Gubaza Christmas Spectacular, if you will. And uh, we also talk a little Angels. He was at the Joe Madden interview. And kind of going on for what I was talking about, we did have some time to talk about um, Griffin Canning and Patrick Sandoval. Just two young arms that really caught my eye last year and what his thoughts about them last year and what you can expect and what he hopes for the years coming up um, and hopefully them taking a step forward. So again, go to commercials, Mark Gubaza, and then we'll tie it all up at the end. So we'll be right back.
0: Hey, Hey, what's up? Johnny catfish here. Ambassador for groom, goon, beard, and body care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did, and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groomgoon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code Catfish the all one word, Catfish the and receive fifteen percent off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it.
1: This
2: is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. The next guest on the All Angels podcast is returning guest, the man you see on TV every every game on Fox Sports West, Mark Guza. How are you doing today?
0: Hey, what's going on, man? How's everything going there?
2: Good, good, good. Um, you know, this is going to be our Christmas special, but before we get to that, we are Angels podcast, so we, we are going to try to squeeze in a little bit of Angels information, so I'll start there. Um, you were at the Joe Madden press conference. From seeing it on TV and online... It just seemed like a very different uh, type of press conference than you normally see when the teams introduce, you know, new managers, new coaches. Uh, uh, what was the vibe that day and then into the actual press conference?
0: Well, you know, really a couple different things. It was a homecoming for Joe, for one, you know, being part of that organization for 31 years or so. Uh, he, you know, he had a lot of success in Tampa, a ton of success with the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series but it's, you know the minute he walked out on that field and on the you know on that little dais for the press conference you can feel that it was like what a what an opportunity this is for him and then when we had a chance to have him on our show after the press conference you can just feel that positive energy and it was it was amazing and you know I've known Joe for a long long time but you know whether whatever age he is right now he still seems and acts like a kid and and his enthusiasm and his positivity if that's a word is uh off the charts and he, he can't wait to get going in spring training i know we got the winter meetings coming up real soon as well and and he did, that's all he wants to talk about is is what the team can do to get better what he can do to help his team get back to what it was when he was a part of the team of one in 2002 and uh you, you just know it even you know just texting my trout back and forth and how excited he is and the rest of the club just wants to get going. They want to play for him. They want to experience, you know, a manager like him that it every, has everyone's back. He's going to have an opportunity to play hard for him every day. So I I can't wait for it. I know the, every Angel fan I've talked to can't wait for it, and I know the players are the same, feeling the same way.
2: Now, Joe being uh, what the Angels was rumored for a long time, but do you remember – where you were and your kind of like your first initial reaction when you saw it come across that it was officially done that he was officially going to be the Angels' new manager.
0: Well, I was pretty excited about it, and because I thought there was a real good chance this was going to happen. Just talking to whether it was Artie Moreno to John Carpino, Dennis Cool, everybody in you know in the organization, but you know, there were so many teams that had openings for that managerial spot that you just didn't know you couldn't assume that he was definitely coming back because there's some. Really, you know, big teams that were all of a sudden they needed a manager. So uh, as much as you felt it was going to happen you, until you actually heard the words and saying, yes, he's going to be in the Angels manager in 2020, that's when you started feeling pretty good.
2: What do you think the biggest difference, at least from the outside, something that the viewers can pick up maybe right away between uh, Joe and uh, Brad will be once the game starts uh, going?
0: Well, I mean, you know, I I had a really good relationship with Brad, and I've I known him for a while as well, and especially even the year before when he was working on the Billy Epler as a special assistant to the general So We had many many conversations, and uh, I think when you're moving forward, you know, with Joe coming in there, it's that the melding. I I can't remember the exact phrase you said, but it's basically, you know, it's a marriage between the analytics and the heart, and. The analytic department for the Angels is very, very good. and Also, Joe is a guy that believes in that. It has been, you know, He's been on the cutting edge from way back when he was with uh, Tampa as well. That You know that's part of his game, but he also realized that the baseball player is a human being with the heart and the mind to play hard every day. Sometimes you might not be at your optimal level, so that's when you make those decisions. Well, maybe that's the day I give the guy off, even though the computer says such and such hitting so well against a certain pitcher that if he's not feeling well or not ready to play that day, that he knows exactly what he's – the pulse of the team, I think, would be the best way to describe Joe. Is He's going to have that pulse for the team to know when to use the analytics to the, to the, to the fullest, but also knowing when to push the player or, or give the player a little bit of a, a rest at times.
2: And you being a former Major League World Series winning pitcher, I think it's only appropriate to ask you about some young arms that the Angels saw at some point last year. Um, The first one I want to talk about is Griffin Canning. With his time obviously being cut short due to injury, in that time period when he was pitching with the Angels, what did you see? What did you like?
0: I'll mean, i tell you what, I like the way he competes. He he had a nice little edge to him. Uh, At times, four pitches, four really good pitches. And it's difficult to be able to carry... Four pitchers for anybody, especially a young kid with not a lot of professional experience. When you look back at it, it didn't you know he was drafted at a UCLA? Didn't didn't pitch that year. They basically you know got his shoulder strong, the rest of his body strong. The following year, they kind of limited his innings and pitches. Same thing going into last year before making it to the big league club. But I was really impressed with his velocity on his fastball. You know, I kept hearing he was going to be around 92. 93, he was touching 94, 95, 96. His slider was excellent. His curveball, great, changeup. But I, I just loved his demeanor on the mound. He's a tough kid. And when he's on the mound, I mean, he's competing. Often, you know, when he's away from the, the mound and you're just talking to him, he's a nice kid, but he's a different human being when he gets on that field because he competes as well as anybody.
2: Another another kid that made it up this year. Uh, and some probably thought that a little – uh, sooner than the organization wanted, but still performed really well with Patrick Sandoval. Um, one, were you expecting to see him uh, at all this year? And then two, when he did get called up, uh, what did you think of him?
0: First of all, I, I was hoping to see him because I saw him in spring training, and he just has a, he has a really good body. I mean, he's a big kid, very good stuff. You know, his numbers last year – you know, the year, I should say the year before where you had the winning percentage and the strikeout, the walk ratio and all these things coming into play. I was, I was excited to see him, how he was going to be able to compete at the major league level. And, you know, I would have loved to see to be able to pick up a major league win, but he, he had shown a lot, you know, in a, in a limited pitch, you know, sequence, he would be able to go out with He you know, they didn't want to push him too far. He was going to be around that 50, 60 pitch limit pretty much every time out. And, but uh, great swing-and-miss changeup, very good velocity on his fastball. Break-a-balls were really, really good as well. And, and, again, just like Griffin, he's a pretty tough kid too. And uh, his upside, in my opinion, is tremendous because, like I said, his size is going to allow him to be able to keep using his lower part of his body and drive towards the plate very, very well, being left-handed. Uh, he has all the intangibles to be a very, very good major league pitcher for a lot of years. So I, I really love his upside.
2: You know, going kind of maybe thinking back to when you were pitching, that first spring training after you get your initial taste of the big leagues, how do you think pitchers um, go into spring training knowing that they've been there, knowing that they had a taste of the big leagues? Do you think they already changed their approach coming into that following spring training or are they kind of stay the same?
0: Well, that, that's why I think it's so important for the Angels to make sure they, they bring a couple veteran pitchers in there because there's a couple things that come into play when you're a young pitcher – you know, you, you fought all the way to make it to the major league level, and sometimes you kind of lose your edge. When a veteran around there, he's going to tell him, "Hey, listen, you got there, but to stay here at the major league level, there's certain things you have to do on a consistent basis." And, and having them around, just watch watching around, almost like as a little puppy watching, you know, each each veteran go about their business. I mean, you look at say, you know, and I'm sure everyone's talked about it with Garrett Cole all the way through. Just watching how he matured and got better, even more so when he's down there with Justin Verlander. Just watching how he goes about his business, I think that is so important for guys like Griffin, Canning, Jaime Berea, you know, Patrick Sandoval, guys like that. You know that they need to have people around. Suarez the same way, where this just shows what you have to do to be successful in the major league level for the long haul. And I remember that I was lucky enough to come up in Kansas City where. We had a lot of young guys, with was and myself, Danny Jackson, Charlie Liebrandt really as far as not a lot of and pitching time in the major leagues. Bud Black was really a, somewhat of a veteran on our staff, but we were lucky to be around guys like Dennis Leonard, Paul Splitter, Dan Quisenberry, where they would say, listen, hey, the, the, it's not that it's easy to get to the big leagues, but it's much easier to get to the big leagues than to stay there for a long period of time. You have to do certain things to make sure you're always there, not only physically, because that, that – that, Kind of is not all that hard to do, but it's the mental part of it. How you have to always be hungry each and every spring training, and I think that's really, really important for you know for Griffin and for Patrick it's to come when they come into spring training. Don't assume you have got a spot in the major league level, even though they might have one. You can never assume that. So that way, you always are hungry, trying to learn, pick up another pitch, learn how to be a little bit more consistent in the strike zone, find a way to get some quicker outs, so you're in that position to pick up W's in that 6th and 7th inning in-game. So all those things come into play, but the best way to do that and learn that is from being around veteran pitchers.
2: That's great Angel talk. But now, the main reason I had you on, it is the holiday season. If anyone that follows you at all on Insta- or on uh, your Twitter, Mark- at Mark Gubza, knows that you're a-, a fan of Christmas and just kind of the holidays in general. I want to ask, first thing I want to ask is where did that come from? Is that something you had growing up, something that your parents put in you? Where Where did that come from?
0: Well, I mean, my mom was, uh, she was an incredible Christmas enthusiast. Uh, you know, we start. she started decorating, you know, soon as, you know, we got, it was a little bit different now. I'm a little bit more crazy than she even was when it came to decorating. She waited till like that day after Thanksgiving and boom, everything was up and, uh, my dad was a mailman, so he was extremely busy during that time of the year because, you know, as you all well know, all this stuff is getting delivered in the mail. Even before then, before Amazon and all these other things, everything was delivered on the mail. No, he knew UPS or FedEx, none of those things. So Everything was by the Postal Service. So he was incredibly busy. But also, he would come home after work, even though he was walking and walking all over the place, delivering packages and, and envelopes. That uh, just the people, the smiles they had on their face, and the stories that they were so excited they got these letters or these packages. He was able to bring that home, even though he was extremely tired. But my mom was like, unbelievable with all this stuff, all the decorations, and I still have a number of things that from their old, you know, my old house back in Philly, where I have here out in California. Uh, they've both been gone for a lot of years, but uh, even my three older brothers, they're it's it's crazy because every time I ever talk to anybody that's you know associate with myself or my brother to say, man, you guys are crazy when it comes to all the holidays, but Christmas in particular. And I actually started, the day after Halloween, I started putting stuff out a little bit at a time, and finally like my wife will go, okay, you can go ahead and and do your usual. So then I eventually had everything out and, and put stuff ready to go, lit up, even before Thanksgiving, with Thanksgiving being as late as it was this year. You know, I put a lot of pressure on to be able to make sure everything was ready to go because you don't have as many weekends before Christmas now. But, uh, I mean, I love, you know, I watched It's a Wonderful Life the other day, followed by Santa Claus coming to town to Rudolph the red Nose Reindeer and the Grinch is on tonight. I mean, I, I don't miss any of them, even the old school ones, the new ones from Christmas Vacation. Well, that not that that's new anymore, but, Elf, and, you know, every one of them. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because even though my kids are at that age of like that, really, we're going to watch that? They still sit down there with me all the time, all the way through every one of even the cartoon ones. So that's what I did with my mom and dad. Lily, I could be out playing basketball or hockey up at the schoolyard back home in Philly, but I knew once eight o'clock came around, I was running home because that you know I was before you know these shows were on a thousand times Christmas season, or you can get them on VHS and all this stuff. So you had to make sure when they came on, you weren't missing. It. And I never missed it no matter what. Even though my buddies at the schoolyard would go. Now where are you going now? I said I got to go home and watch that, and, and they like laughed at me. But before long, they were running home doing the same thing.
2: <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, with Christmas, like you said, Thanksgiving being later this year, and starting from October from from Halloween till when is okay? at Halloween. When is the final like ta da? Like it's like uh, I believe it is uh, the Griswold, and when he flips the switch and the light, and then the the lights go on. It's just a huge thing. When is that final kind of ta-da moment for you? Like, when is that around? Is that after Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, when everything's out there and then just ready to show off?
0: Well, I, I would love to say it's after Thanksgiving because that would be like – like I, I always read on Twitter and stuff like that. Like, I can't believe they're playing the Christmas music already, like on Coast 1 and 3.5. As soon, I mean, they were even putting it on earlier and earlier. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up. So I was – Soon as that music's getting started on on the radio, which you know i am you know i 'm sounding old again I, not many people listen to the radio as much anymore either they 're already they're listening to their phones, all their cars and all that jazz but um, i was as soon as that music was playing, I was already done, so I have to admit I was well before Thanksgiving as much as I hate to say that, I was well before thanksgiving
2: <laughs> now you being you know a, a, an athlete and everything like that, is there a certain part of you that competes with say your neighbors? If you know your neighbor next to you gets a brand new whatever display, is there some part of inside you where you're like, "Ooh, I have to go out there and maybe get something new"?
0: Uh yeah, and you're always want. It's almost like every one of those uh, Christmas movies out there where you're trying to compete, make sure your lights are as good or if not better than your neighbors. But uh, as far as the outdoor lighting part, I don't go as nuts on that. Even though I had that, my lights were already up well before Thanksgiving and they were on. I think the twenty first. This year of November, they were already on, but uh, and I've noticed a number of houses around the neighborhood too have been on the last couple of days, which is earlier than normal. But uh, like, I'll, I'll try to find some like old school, you know, fairly good sized figurines I put out there in my in my front yard too. I got these things that uh, off a catalog one time. There are three elves and and they're pretty good sized elves, so I have them out in front. I have a obviously a couple frosty to snowmen and things like that all around, so I do that, but. My main part of it is is all the stuff I have in the house. Like I said, I have some old school stuff from my parents to the very, you know, most, you know, modern of uh, Christmas decorations and I and I do everything myself. I mean, every, you know, my son will help me out on occasion, but uh, I am mostly do it. And I I go in different phases because there's it's not easy getting up and down from in the attic and all the other stuff. I'm thinking to myself of Clark Griswold wait for that Ladder to come down and hit me right in the head as I as I pull that down many many times. So getting up in the attic and I have three or four other different areas in my house where I have stuff stored that uh, you know it, it's a process. It's, I can't get I, there's no way on earth I can ever get it done in one day. So it takes me two or three days to get everything set up. I, I kind of switch some things around so it make look like it's completely different than the year before. So but it's it's something I I love to do uh, when, when people come over or when the kids. You know, see that once again, because my one girl is over in in Kansas, University of Kansas. So when she comes home, she just goes, nuts, seeing it all over again." So it's it's great. And my oldest one, she's married, so she stops by, you know, once a week, and and just to see the smile on her face. And she's turned into exactly where the way I am because she had her house with her with her husband decorated up well before Thanksgiving, and she sends me pictures. So it's kind of a. And my son's the same way, and and my daughter's already, you know, she decorated her place out and. Her house, at uh, apartment, I should say, out in KU right away, too. So it's kind of something I think all a little, that tradition will carry on that I learned from my mom. And, and she learned from my my grandmom as well, that she, you know, made sure they had incredible decorations. I have a couple decorations from things from my grandfather who came over from Hungary, believe it or not, back in... Well, I guess it would be the early nineteen, like nineteen, nineteen or so, and wow, that's really and cool. I have a couple little things like that still around. I kind of keep them in areas where I I can make sure that it doesn't get messed up or, you know, get knocked over or anything like that. So I have some old school stuff yet, uh, and stuff that have a lot of meaning to me, especially because all of them are gone now. They all have been gone for years. That I still, when I bring them out, it feels like they're still part of my our Christmases here.
2: You talk about the interior of your house. Are we talking multiple trees, different trees in different part of the of the house? Or how many how many trees if we walk into the Mark Gubinza household, how many trees are we are we seeing?
0: Well, I mean there's uh <laughs> I have a number of different trees throughout the house and I have 'em you know, it could be smaller ones, bigger ones, you know, different colors and stuff. So I'm, whew, I'm trying to think. Uh three, four, five, six, seven, eight, whew, Maybe eight or nine, maybe ten. I might even be on the low end, but some of them are just a foot tall, you know, the main one about 12 feet tall, and then a couple other ones here and there, yeah, spread out throughout.
2: So you talked about your family and your daughters and your son. Uh, Christmas traditions are big. I mean, my mom loves getting photos of me and my wife, like in matching pajamas in front of the Christmas tree. That's kind of like her thing. Is there any kind of tradition that maybe you've had when you were a kid that you try to carry on now with your family?
0: Uh, you know the, the best thing, and at it, some point between me and you, and I'm sure everyone listening now, that uh, <laughs> yeah, just me and I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book about how I, I felt it was a, the greatest thing ever when I was growing up because uh, my my one aunt made these homemade stockings and they were like little Santa Clauses, but they had a hole in the back where you you put all the you know the regular stocking stuff in there, whether it's a toothbrush, your underwear, and all this other stuff, but. Part of the Hungarian tradition would be there was always a, a tangerine in there and, and some kind of fish. It was usually some can of sardines that none of us ate, but it was in there as far as tradition. And my mom literally wrapped every single thing that was in my in our stockings in white tissue paper so you couldn't even see it. So she would put it. They put them outside our bedroom, and it was, uh, it was we had two bedrooms, uh, three of us in one room and one in the other. It was a pretty small house. We grew up in Philly and. Uh, Literally, we you know we go to bed. There was nothing there. They they did the stocking, and she wrapped up literally every night, putting it all together. Put it. I mean, obviously, put it outside when we were we we're pretending we were asleep, and we had no tree, zero tree. Wake up in the morning. Here's a here's the tree, completely decorated with the presents underneath it. And I was like, I don't know how they did it. They did it for years and years and years. Where you know, like I said, my dad was a mailman, so he's working christmas eve till six o'clock at night still delivering mail yet somehow had the energy enough to hide the christmas tree from us because and he would wait because he always took around and he got the best bargain at christmas eve i'm sure you can get a christmas tree for nothing really but it was always an amazing tree where here you are you put it in the stand put it in the house decorating putting all the bulbs and the lights on it all while we're asleep and so i mean this is all being done at 12 o'clock or later on Christmas Eve and the Christmas Day, so then we all walked down in our Christmas pajamas. I'd be the last one because I was the youngest. All four of us will go down, and, and then and I still remember just the look on all our faces when you see this tree. It didn't even matter what kind of gifts you got, really, because you see the tree, how beautiful it was, and then you, then, you don't even see, you just at that point you're thinking, okay, Santa Claus did deliver the tree and everything else. That when you're younger. But this to see and and look back and go, how were they able to do that? And I, you know, my my older brother tried that early on, but he says, you know what, Ed, it was so exhausting, and there was no way he could do it. I can
2: only imagine. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So I still have. It's crazy because my aunt eventually made the same stockings that I had, and it's really hard to describe because it's not a regular stocking where you would hang, you know, on the fireplace. It was like a little bulky little Santa, but it was all, uh, you know, basically. Cloth where you it's stretched so you could put a lot of stuff in there, and you know she made them all for my kids and stuff like that. So I still have it down there. And we still have, you know, we just got her matching pajamas in it again. Even with her because we have a dog now and and one for her too as well. So we'll have them. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if it will make it out on Twitter or not that picture Christmas morning all of us in pajamas or not. But we'll, that'll remain to be seen. I'm sure somehow my my daughter or my wife will have it out on one of those other social media outlets but it will uh, it'll we'll, leak we'll on that yeah everything exactly. seems a leak
2: nowadays so maybe that be the next the next thing <laughs> yeah exactly you know and it's cool it's something that the angels have been doing for i believe a handful of years now is they're halfway to christmas um you know a uh, weekend and you get you know pretty involved in that weekend as far as uh, your dress from i believe this last year you were the, the bunny from uh the christmas story but also you've yeah been, elf you've been you know you and victor been like jack frost the characters from jack frost um you know first who comes up with the idea of what to dress up as and how hard is it to get victor kind of like come on let's let's you know do like a a group thing
0: yeah you know i usually you know i'll even you know i'm I'm actually already thinking about what we're going to do next year on halfway to christmas and uh you know victor's been on board with it for a while now it's like you know even, the, you know, a number of the employees for the Angels just come around and they're thinking, God, these guys are crazy. But uh, I, I use, I'll bring a couple of stuff I have from the house and put it in, and I'll decorate my, the booth there as well. And I, I love it so much. Everyone knows it, and so they just kind of play along with it. You know, everyone's saying, you know, man, this is you're still six months away, but, you know, I, I've always I, – I love Christmas so much I can't wait to do it. I mean, that time – I'll never forget walking out to – you know the desk out there by the big hat. See my buddy of the elf outfit, and uh, and I remember because they were filming it, and I'm thinking I didn't do it on purpose, but I you know end up having that goofy walk that uh, you know Will Ferrell had it, as far as Buddy of the Elf walking out there, that little walk he had, and and I remember, geez, it was hot too because the wig and everything else with the hat on, it was like, it felt like it was a million degrees, and and then I remember Ken French was out there, he was just laughing so hard, and we still I still have the picture of me and Frenchie together with that one, and that was pretty cool and you know and you know when we did uh the, the heat miser and the snow miser from a uh, year without a santa claus that was pretty cool and you know it's it gets tougher we we the, the one we had a blast with because we had deer and everything there we were uh cousin eddie and clark griswold this was a while ago and i had the you know the moose uh you know cup there with the you know hold the eggnog and everything else and had the the white shirt with the little black Dickie, you know, underneath the shirt there to make it look authentic and everything else. And the white loafers and all the other stuff that Cousin Eddie had. And, and, and Victor had the Clark Griswold, you know, shirt on and, and we even scripted out some pretty good lines for it. So it was, it was pretty cool how we, we set that one up. And, and this happened to be where if you've been to the stadium there at that time, they had the deer and everything around. So they were all around us as well. So uh, it couldn't. We couldn't get any better. So we'll have to try to come up with. Well, I have some pretty good ideas, but I want to give it up and give it out so far for for next year. But uh, you know, last year and walk, walking out to the front desk with a, a rabbit suit on was <laughs> that was pretty interesting as well, especially with the glasses and everything else. And I'm thinking, oh man, uh, I don't know how good this is going to be because some people, you know, if you don't remember, it's you know, if you have tickets and you're just going to a game itself and you don't even realize it's. Halfway the Christmas, you're you're seeing some guy walk around with a uh, pink rabbit suit on. You're thinking, uh, what's wrong with this guy?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially because you know the 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 influx of of, of you know uh, foreign uh, fans come to see Otani and stuff like that. And if they come on this weekend and they don't realize what's going on, yeah, it, it could be kind of a, a shock to see a, <laughs> a, a six foot you know six a guy over six foot uh, uh, in a pink bunny outfit would be pretty uh, yeah. pretty shocking. I mean, holidays in general, you can't get away from the food. Uh, is there any kind of food that you might only have during this time of year, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, that you really look forward to?
0: Uh, you know, you know. besides the obvious ones, the turkeys and the hams and all that stuff, the one thing my mom did every time when the Grinch, this is the cartoon version with Boris Karloff with the voice, uh, she made homemade, homemade oatmeal cookies. So... I mean, and and she had a recipe, and she made them. I, we we make them all the time. Me and you know, my son loves to cook himself. So, whenever that's on TV, we kind of try to correlate and kind of keep that tradition going. But oatmeal cookies for me are the most unbelievable thing, and yeah, so that would probably be my my must-have during the during the. I mean, I can even believe me. I can you know, eat oatmeal cookies all throughout the year, but. For whatever reason, they taste way better at Christmas time for me. So that—that's the one thing I absolutely have to have is my oatmeal cookies during the holiday season.
1: Now
2: you've mentioned a handful of different Christmas movies. Whether you would be Elf, we talked about The Christmas Story, um, Grinch, all that stuff. So I'm gonna try—I'm gonna try to pin you down. I don't know how successful I'm gonna be, but if you had to pick your favorite uh, Christmas movie, what would it be?
0: Wow. Well, <sighs> That you know, because I I did that last year just to see how people would react on Twitter, just to throw that out there. What's you know, and it, you know I can go. For, I mean, I I absolutely love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I absolutely love it. Everything about it, uh, you know, Rudy, Rudolph being an underdog, a misfit, and all that other stuff, and all of a sudden he becomes a hero in the end. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Although the crazy thing is, as much as I love it. And as much as my kids love it, I never really saw it a whole lot when I was grown up. Uh, so I, it's kind of it, even though it's an old, old, old movie, it's it's such a classic. And and I was just driving right by Encino Park, where they actually made a majority of that movie. And I'm you know, I'm thinking, why would they not put a sign out there saying this is where it's you know it's A Wonderful Life? A majority of that that whole town was like built on that park there in, in Encino, which is you know in the San Fernando Valley here, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, but I, I still, I love White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kay. I mean, you know, I, I think just the music, the costumes, that song itself in the end. Uh, I, I always I always say It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite. But then, it, then once I, you know, when they start singing, especially when Danny Kay and Bing Crosby sing Sisters, when, uh, I'm out of my mind laughing my head off. I, I love White Christmas, but... If you depending on the genre, uh, you know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. I'm I'm naming them all out of my mind here. (laughs) Christmas Vacation is like I I cannot stop laughing. Elf is for me. It's off the chart. Even the new Grinch with you know the movie is is great. Uh, So, boy, I'll tell you, it's a tough one. But if I had to watch, if there was one I, I had to watch each year where I would feel miserable if I didn't, it would probably be It's a Wonderful Life. I just love Jimmy Stewart's a Pennsylvania guy. He grew up in Pennsylvania. I think the whole story, and then I've read some recent stuff about you know he he was a war hero, and then he went through a lot coming back from the from the war. That a lot of the acting he did in that movie were, was not really far fetched of how he was feeling. So I, I think I leaned a little bit more towards "It's a Wonderful Life," even though I, I'm really showing my age by doing that.
2: Now those are all solid solid uh, picks. Uh, so like some of those older movies, like you mentioned, do they kind of have more, do you see, uh, I don't want to say see more into it, but like understand it more and kind of mean more as you get older, you start having your family, and, and, and then maybe as you, like you said, because you didn't really see it a whole lot as a kid, but do you think it starts meaning a little bit more once you get older and, and start forming a family?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think part of it is because there's always some warm feeling to it, or there could be a family member that's no longer with you that that you kind of you kind of miss it. I don't know if you've seen this one commercial. I think it's for boy. What is it for? Uh, where they have this? Uh, it's like, maybe it's Portal or one of those where they're taking a photo of the grand the, for grand for the grandpop. They have him all the families there and, and the two granddaughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think who, and the iP- At the very end, the they, yeah. they take a picture of that where the the, mo- the grandma was no longer with her, but they were able to superimposer in there and they showed her like she's still part of the family even though she's not those type of things i mean i mean i i love you know holiday in real old school movies like that too you know but uh, uh what's the one with hugh, with hugh grant uh what's it uh no no cary grant i should say not hugh grant cary grant the preacher's wife i think it's called way back i mean there's so many Really cool ones, the old school ones because they're not on as much. I can catch them at night when I'm going to sleep, uh, and, I, and I'll have to admit this: the minute the Hallmark Channel played the Christmas movies, I have both both the stations I have on all night long. me, all <laughs> night, and, and that comes on the day after, you know, uh, Halloween this year. So there, I, I actually know every one of them. I feel like they're all every one of the actors and actresses on those things are a part of my family because I watch them every single night.
2: Well, that's kind of how our, I guess us fans would feel about the Angels teams watching them. You know, every night baseball being a, like almost an everyday sport. You after a while, you just kind of feel like you know the person, even though maybe you've only seen them in person a couple of times. But through the TV, you know, like you said, like uh, almost every night. Um, Mark, this has been great. Thank you very much. Last question I'm going to ask you: Die Hard, Christmas movie, non Christmas
0: movie. <laughs> you know what? Somebody asked me that the other day. I said it's like Gremlins too. Uh, Christmas movie because of the music and then this you know the sentimental part of the, at the end yes uh, you know that's why I, I'm going with the Christmas movie uh, a little more it, like, it's like Krampus that's uh, exactly a Christmas movie as well <laughs> My son having me watching it I'm like wow that's not the, the ideal Christmas <laughs> right. movie but if you if you play a, a song it's like any of them like from Home Alone I just got done watching Home Alone too. if you play a Christmas song it's a Christmas movie to me
2: all right, Mark Gubazov said it, so it must be true. Thank you, Mark, once again uh, for your time and just, you know, having having a little fun and kind of zigging when most people zag when it comes to this kind of stuff. Thank you very much.
0: You got a Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone out there. And, and like I said, enjoy the family because that's what it's all about is being with your family.
2: Yes, sir. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to your family. And hopefully we'll see you in Tempe when the calendar hits 2020.
0: Well, sounds good to me. Can't wait.
2: That was my interview with Mark Goob, uh, talking not only Angels baseball, but talking about uh, Christmas, you know, how, how it was for him growing up, How is it, it for him now. Um, it was really awesome to talk to him about it, and you can just tell how much he really enjoys the holiday season, as I hope a lot of you do. So with that being said, very, very good chance this is our last podcast of 2019 so, real quick, want to thank everyone out there for listening. Thank you, everyone, for subscribing to our um, our podcast, whether it be through Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. However, I might be missing a couple uh, ways of doing it, but thank you very much. Uh, this is something that, for me personally, has grown into a passion not only just talking about Angels baseball and keeping up with Angels baseball, but being able to reach out to people like Mark Gubiza, like Brandon Marsh, like Chris Rodriguez, like um, Victor Rojas, you know, e- even the even the late Tyler Skaggs, you know, something like that sits with you. And, and, you know, it's you guys, the fans, that we see the response from it. And you guys enjoyed it, it kind of pushes me a little bit more, pushes us a little bit more to make it better. So thank you. Um, have a great Christmas. Make sure you follow us on all our social media feeds. That's Halo underscore Haven on both Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I'm at DanGarcia87 on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Again, want to debate, want to talk, hit me up. Uh, DMs are wide open, and maybe we can work something out in the new year. But until then, I want to thank, again, everybody, all the fans, everybody that has been... um, listening for the last couple of years, and we will see you in 2020. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from everyone at Halo Haven and the All Angels Podcast.
0: One horse sleigh, getting
2: up.